0: Hello, hello, this is Jonathan, and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hello, friends, hope you're having a great day wherever you are, whether that's in New York, Kuala Lumpur, or the Scottish countryside. And in today's episode, we will speak to the dragons on fire. Dragon Guy and Dragon Gal have been married for 17 years, And when it comes to money, they have been doing the right things all along, such as not spending more than what they earn, they were investing in the stock markets, and they have paid off their house. Nevertheless, it's not until they wanted to take a break from their careers that they discovered the FIRE movement. And not only did they realize they could take a break already from their careers, but that they could even push it further by actually retiring in their early 40s, 20 years ahead of uh, the normal plan, the normal retirement age. So yes, if you're considering early retirement, this episode will definitely be interesting for you, because we'll discuss how they stumbled upon the fire movement, what fire means to them, and how you could achieve fire as well. So without further ado, let's hear their story. Hello, uh, Dragons on Fire. How are you doing, guys, today?
1: We're doing great. Thank you so much for having us, Johnny.
2: Yes, we're wonderful. Thank you very
0: much. Yeah, so today we are having the Dragons on Fire, so dragon guy and dragon gal they blog anonymously and uh, we actually met uh, in washington dc a few weeks ago only six weeks ago but it seems like an eternity but six weeks ago uh, the day before yeah. the fincon started so we we were sitting next next to each other actually at the baseball game and of course we we started to chat and uh, hey what are you doing the conference what do you expect etc then of course we exchanged business cards and we we kept meeting throughout the conference, so a very nice couple. And actually, um, they wrote a super, super funny and cute uh, wrap-up of FinCon. <laughs> so <laughs> I will link it in the description. And um, what we will talk about with them is um, Fire. So financial independent and retire early. How they joined Fire, how they are, yeah, how they reached Fire, and um, how that, how you could try to achieve Fire as well. And then I will ask you, uh, actually, how, how, what fire means to you, or if you can expand more on uh, fire dragons.
1: Okay, um, so for me, we didn't find fire until two thousand seventeen, February of two thousand seventeen. We had um, turned forty, and um, the amazing thing for me about fire was it just really helped me understand. What my net worth was actually worth. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been a saving aggressively our whole lives, you know, um, living below our means, um, cutting costs, you know, wherever we could, and and you know we were invested um, mostly in mutual funds, and it, it was, you know, things had added up, you know, but but we didn't really know what that number truly meant, um, we really didn't really discuss kind of the value of our uh, portfolio, what we wanted to do with it, our vision of it. We just thought, you know, Hey, you're supposed to have a job for 30 years and then you retire. Um, so fire really, um, opened up a conversation for us to have us really start to examine our practices with money, our spending, um, which, you know, we did a good job with already, but we were more intentional because of it. And it really started making me think outside of the box in terms of what I wanted from my life and from my money.
0: Okay, that's very interesting. And um, so if I if I understood correctly, so you were doing the right things, uh, saving, investing, um, working at your job. But it sounds like you didn't really have a purpose. You were doing what everybody's doing. Of course, you were doing things right, at least. But you were doing things, um, yeah, as everybody, investing. But there was no end to this. I mean...
2: Right. I, th- I think that's a good way to put it. We, we were saving. We were investing. Um, our portfolio kept growing. But, you know, we didn't... We just think, oh, well, you just need, you know, a gazillion dollars to retire these <laughs> days. And, mm-hmm. you know, just... You know, do the math until you're in the U.S. until you're 65 or mid 60s, and say, okay, that's enough. Mm-hmm. But we really just had no idea that we were further along than we needed to be. And I think it all started too is um, Dragon gal always would say to me, oh, you should just quit your job, just just you know, quit your job, let's take some time off. And I was always like, how do you do that? How do you quit your job when you're in your late 30s or early 40s? You know, when there's no social security till your 60s and insurance is an issue. And I'm like, that just doesn't work. And I said, I need a model. I'm 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 in finance and so I'm the type of person that needs to be able to see the numbers and understand how it works. And I always said to her, I need a model. Well, in early twenty seventeen, she was talking to a, a friend of ours and the friend was like, Yeah, I wish I didn't have to work and that that led Dragging Gal to start Googling how to retire early and mm-hmm. she came across Mr. Money Mustache and we learned all about what the fire movement meant, the what the FI number was and when i realized that and i started looking at our numbers like we were already FI and um essentially that was the model that i was missing all along that was sort of the how do you actually retire in your late 30s or early 40s you know understanding you know how much you really need you know understanding what's enough and that when i looked at the numbers we had enough and so she was able to retire um shortly after that um as a teacher and i'm i'm still working just because of the insurance issues here in the U S but, you know, I'm close to retiring in, in a few weeks. I'll be leaving my job. So, wow. um, I think that, I think the whole thing really was now understanding, you know, for me, it was that model of how this can actually work financially and numerically versus just sort of saying, ah, oh, just, you know, take, quit your job and you'll figure it out later. Well, now I understand how, how it all works.
0: Yeah. I think that's important um, to, to get into the numbers. It might not always be easy for everybody, but at least you, you need to, to know because I mean, if you just quit, and you leave your job or whatever stable situation how how do you know how long you can it can be sustainable so I, I get that, and I'm a numbers nerd as well, so I think I would be like a bit like leaning towards a dragon guy's approach with modeling everything and that's a uh-huh. very good but just just to to circle back okay, you had this retiring plan, but why did you want to retire? You were not satisfied, or did you want why did you want to retire? in the first place?
1: So, um, I have been a teacher for 18 years Mm -hmm. and, um, at that point, um, you know, it's a great career. It really is. Um, I think what happened was when I turned 40, I kind of had some sort of midlife crisis or something, you know? Um, I, I woke up and I said, is this going to be the rest of my life? And, uh, That just made me start questioning everything and reflecting about everything in my life. Um, You know, and at that point, what was happening at my school was um, the school was growing bigger. We were getting more students, which is great for the school. Mm -hmm. Um, However, they downsized me into a very small classroom. And at that point, I was teaching um, Mandarin, which is honestly was a fun job um but i saw seven classes a day pre-k through fifth grade and we were all stuck in that really small classroom 25 children you know
0: oh, that's a time, lot. Time,
1: yes times seven classes a day um and i just felt suffocated you know and and it was my second year being stuck in the small classroom um and i and i just needed a break i just needed mm-hmm. a break uh, you know i was very exhausted so um ultimately it was, it was, you know, sad and hard to leave the job, but, but I am happy in early retirement.
0: Very cool. Uh, And you dragon guy, what was the, you were tired of doing finance, but because, because I hear you still like to do Excel modeling.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think for me, I realized probably a few years ago that I didn't need to continue to move up the chain at work. You know, I had Mm -hmm. I'd worked in finance for almost 20 years. And, you know, I had several promotions over the years, got to a, a vice president level. And um, a few years ago, I, I I changed roles in my job just to be on this project team for about two years. And I was like, you know, I just don't, I don't want to continue in the grind of trying to impress the people above me to get a raise and get a big promotion and then have more stress. And, you know, work more hours and all about that. And this project that I was on was was a good change of pace. It was um, much more structured. Um, I got to travel a lot to Europe back in 2018, which I really enjoyed. But so I also I started to see that it's like, well, I don't really want to progress anymore. And I'm, you know, on this project, going to last for a couple of years. Maybe this is the right time to take a break. Um, You know, at the end of the day, I mean, I talk about retirement, but I don't know. Do I see that I'll never work again? doubtful but i mean i do like as you said i do like doing the financial modeling um i think what i realize is i just don't like the the idea of full-time work where you have the commitments every day you have the meetings you have the performance reviews at the end of the year all that kind of stuff and this this situation now gives me that opportunity to get away from that and you know if i want to work i can work but i can work on my terms you know maybe a two-month contract or you know part-time and i have to worry about all the all the extracurriculars that happen with someone that's trying to you know grow a career and move up the chain and you know impress others and you know we we like to travel a lot um, we've traveled throughout our life and I think we also you know just want to be able to travel more and, and do a mm-hmm. lot of those things now when we're healthier and have the means to do it versus you know waiting to in our 60s when who knows what happens
0: yeah well, I see it's a common um, it's a common idea I hear about people wanting to reach fire or financial freedom it's to still maybe continue a a venture or work but at least work on your own terms so maybe yes yeah and i think that's something i would like to do as well at some point (laughs) it's (laughs) um no but it's true i mean like the corporate world is made as such that uh, sometimes it can be frustrating and you Mm -hmm. and climbing up the corporate ladder yeah it's nice on the cv or on linkedin but in the end what's the end goal i mean it's uh if you're not an owner yourself and as well but it's easy to get into because you know you want to be a supervisor you want to be a director you, you want to climb higher higher but sometimes when i see people in my previous jobs etc or a current job it's it seems that the higher you are the more stressed you are so sure. yeah i don't know so sometimes I'm, I'm wondering if what's the point of all this at some point it's good to, to grow but at some point to like where does it stop where where is reasonable to stop so it seems that right. uh but this dragon guy, you found your, your balance there? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Okay. Now that's, uh, that's interesting. And, and then you found FIRE. And how did you calculate this? How do you know you, you reached FIRE, that you had enough savings or money invested to, to be able to retire?
2: Sure. So the, the general idea on, behind financial independence is that you need um, 25 times your annual expenses, Mm -hmm. um, which essentially allows you to withdraw 4% of your portfolio every year. Um, so, and this was done, this was based off of a a Trinity study that, you know, studied results over 30, uh, 30 year retirement that showed that 4% was the, the safe retirement rate. Now we're going to be potentially retired for longer than that. Um, you know, 40, 50 years. And so, Mm -hmm. um, 4% the math still kind of worked, but, um, we've actually been a little bit more conservative and have saved more than that just to have some flexibility because I can project my expenses now, but I don't know what they're really going to look like in the future. Um, healthcare is a big issue here in the United States. Um, you know, inflation will continue to, to, grow, go up over time. Um, you know, there's no guarantee what the stock market would do. So, um, the general model is four, uh, 25 times, but, um, many people are more comfortable with like, you know, more than that 30, 35, 40 times the, the, the earnings, just to have that cushion. And again, me being in finance, you know, I, I, I like cushion and, and contingency, so we are we are above the, the 25 times number, and I've been able to kind of model that out and just, you know, look at all the different scenarios of, you know, what our costs could be compared to what they are now and, and where things would still be okay, so.
0: Mm-hmm. And for example, so if one of the listeners wants to, to try to find it out for him, so what he should do is just to to track his expenses for a few months, or maybe he knows them already, but at least have a number in, in his mind, let's say, uh, to make it simple, a thousand euros or dollars. And then what right, he yeah. multiplies it by 12 and then 25 to kind of find the, this number.
2: Exactly. And I think I think tracking and understanding how much you spend is is crucial. We actually never did that up mm-hmm. till till a few years ago. We just always looked at, hey, we're not spending a lot. Um, we're making more than we're spending. We're not in debt. Our our net worth is growing. But until twenty seventeen, I actually couldn't tell you what our annual spend was because I never paid attention to it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I think doing that was just life changing because it really put into perspective too why are we spending money on the things we're spending money on. Um, we you know we learned that we were FI based on our, on our spend, you know, based on 2016 and 2017 numbers. But after we learned that we FI, we ended up cutting several thousand dollars more of expenses because we realized there are things that we just don't value anymore and don't need to spend the money on. Mm -hmm. Um, but if I didn't do that, I would never know. And I would never, I think because I also never track my expenses. That's why you think everyone thinks that, Oh, I need a gazillion dollars to retire because, well, you know, I just, things cost money and I need to pay for all these things. Um, but really, I mean, it's a, it's a simple concept. Now there's a lot of nuances to it, but um, um, I think you know I've been tracking it now since 2017, and I look at that you know every few days just to see what costs come in, and it's just it's just fun, and it it gives me comfort to know that if things go up, we what where can we cut? If you know if we have some more room to spend money, you know what are areas that we want to spend the money on? So it's just you know without it, I don't I don't think we'd be where we are.
0: Okay, and do you have an example, a few examples of uh, things you you, you you cut expenses on?
2: Sure. So shortly after learning about FI, I cut out a gym membership. Um, we got rid of our um, satellite radio in our car. We um, I called a lot of our insurance companies and renegotiated our plans. Um, we got rid of cable TV. Just things that, at the end of the day, that. Everyone says you should have because society says you should have it. But after reflecting on it, like, we really didn't need it. And it was a nice to have, not a need to have. And Mm -hmm. now that we got rid of those things, we don't even miss them. I mean, we don't watch TV anymore. Um, We exercise outside or if it's too cold, you know, we do videos inside. Um, Just all these things that, in hindsight, you know, weren't necessary for us.
0: I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. But
1: they said just $2,000.
0: $2,000 per month? Per year. Per year. year.
1: Yeah. And then, and then since then we've also cut, um, so, you know, while I was working full time, while we both were, we had a, a cleaning lady and, um, you know, it was very hard to make the decision to, um, stop using her services. Um, but since I was, you know was home i should be i felt like i should be cleaning our home um so that also um saved us money we stopped also taking tennis lessons we just go to the park now and play tennis by ourselves and
2: that <laughs> saves money that saves money too that saved
0: yeah but you still do this, the things you like yeah. you like like yeah. tennis so, so it's yeah. great yeah i like that yeah
2: Yeah. At the end of the day, I don't feel like we've deprived ourselves at all. I mean, Mm -hmm. we still like to go out to eat. We don't do it a lot, but we, if we want to go out to eat for dinner or for lunch, we'll go out to eat. We won't worry about, Oh, we shouldn't spend the money on, on those things. When we want to travel, we'll travel. And, you know, maybe I'm a little bit more diligent in researching, you know, better flights or better hotel options, but I'm still going to travel. So, you know, you hear a lot of like people say, Oh, I don't want to you know, pursue financial independence. I, I don't want to live on like rice and beans every day. And, you know,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the stereotype, yeah. you know,
2: be be a hermit and not do anything. And we haven't, you know, felt any sacrifices at all. And, you know, if we did feel that this something was like we weren't spending enough on, we've we've had discussions and we've, you know, loosened, loosened the purse strings and spent money on it. So um, it really is just about a mindset of, you know, valuing spending money on what we value and not spending money on things we don't care about
0: yeah excellent i like that it's a bit like um we heard at the at fincon uh, by yes. ramit sati he has his yes. famous uh, quote spend extravagantly <laughs> on the things you love and cut mercilessly on the things you don't so that that's really i really see that here so that's great yes okay and then um i, I was just wondering as well because as a couple okay people are come from different backgrounds have different ideas about money were you always aligned on on the on the money issues during your your marriage? You've been married for seventeen years, I think?
1: Yes, yes. Um so we've been married for seventeen years. Um, we met in college, um mm-hmm. senior year of college. And, you know, I'm going to be honest and say, um, I, I feel like we just kind of in a strange way, Naturally knew that the other person was going to be frugal, you mm-hmm. know Like our first date, you know dragon guy said where would you like me to take you on our first date? I said to the bookstore, you know, and I think he knew right away that I was going to be a cheap date you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know like we you know did miniature golf or we would take walks or something as our dates We were we were never really, you know spending a lot of money now granted we were in college I think that had some to do with it as well Um, but, um, you know, I think we just naturally knew that the other person was frugal, um, over the years we, so we joined our accounts, you know, I think some people don't. And I think, you know, that has to be something to be considered for some people, it would work. And for some people, it doesn't work. Um, for me, it really meant a lot to me that we, um, saw our money as our money. You know, um, I, I'm a public educator. I just never made as much money as um, Dragon Guy in the corporate world, mm-hmm. and but he never made me feel like, well, I make more money, so I'm going to make this decision. I mean, it was always a joint decision on big purchases. You know how we're going to, um, you know, take care of our money, and that always felt very important to me. Like we were a team. You know, um, he is more well versed in investments and things like that, so I feel like naturally he's been the leader. Um, making a lot of the decisions, but, you know, we make it a point for, um, to talk together about the big money decisions that we're going to make and how we're going to invest our money, whether or not I understand, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, and, and since finding fire, we've been a lot more diligent, you know, about having monthly meetings to discuss, you know, let's look at, you know, how much we spent this month, where's our portfolio, what's up next, with um what we want to spend or or you know what's our next strategy um i've tried to make an effort to learn more this year and dragon guy's teaching me about um you know you know tax loss harvesting all this stuff you know
0: <laughs> <laughs> no no but that's that's good so so it seems you have a a healthy approach to to discuss money as a couple so which might not always be the case and it's uh, i think it's one of the major issues in couples sometimes so uh no that, that's great and then of course then it made it easier i guess than to to discuss the the, the fire concept and then to to move on there
1: yes absolutely yeah okay
0: yeah. excellent and now of course my question is um okay now you reach fire and dragon guy will leave in a few weeks what are you going to do with your free time
2: That's a really good question. Um, You know, it's funny. Dragon Gal has been always saying to me that, you know, I need to figure out what I want to do. And I've been actually pushing back saying, you know what, I will. But I want to enjoy the first three to six months after I leave my job to Mm -hmm. decompress and not worry about it. We are going to um, take a four week trip shortly after I leave my job to um, down to New Zealand. Um, We're going to go to the South Island. i mean, sorry, North Island of New Zealand and rent a car and drive around and try some slow traveling where we're not, you know, in a new city every other day. Um, so that will be fun. Um, we do want to travel a lot in general. Um, we haven't really planned anything else in 2020, but I think that we'll have more opportunities to take some road trips in the U S as opposed to flying. Um, I'll probably do some volunteering and, you know, I do a lot of it, you know, I think it'll evolve over time. What I want to do. Um, I I haven't figured it all out. I think I'm, I still want to kind of, you know, have sort of what I'm calling professional time where I do like Build modeling or do reading or and all that just to sort of keep my keep my brain you know engaged and in, in you know it, with what uh, with my skills but um, I think it's just something that I want to let evolve over time and not really worry too much about it um, you know I've had twenty years that I need to sort of decompress out of my system
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and and you know uh, the thing is in the U S you you in the corporate world you have what two weeks of holidays or something per year. <laughs>
2: right? Yeah. Starts at two weeks. I think I'm up to about four or five now, but that's only again after, you know, 15, 20 years years of, of working. So it's, it's, it's not the same as like Europe. Yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Very good. And you Dragon Gal, what are you, I mean, you've been volunteering, um, since you quit your, your job, but now is that the way you want to, to continue then spending your time?
1: So, yes. Um, So yes, most of the time I do volunteer. Um, You know, I've considered going back maybe to do some substitute work or maybe just some projects um, here or there. So, um, you know, recently I realized about a year and a half um, after retiring, I thought, you know, I miss being with the children. I really do. And so um, I took, you know, a couple of projects here or there. uh, You know, I taught one summer camp this summer. And then I did another camp um, where I helped, you know, with a group of teenagers. And, um, you know, this spring, I think I might go back to teaching maybe one day a week um, at creative writing, but also do my volunteering. Um, You know, and then and, you know, honestly, I do, you know, household chores and exercise and cooking for the rest of my time. And and that's, you know fills up my day i also do improv theater and um i do a lot of kind of the office work for that as well mm-hmm.
0: and what about the blog are you, you i think you started it uh as well in 2017 or a bit earlier we um
2: we started the blog in uh, march of 2018 so, 2018 so it's been a little over, okay yeah, yeah. but a year and a half um i think we'll still keep blogging it's interesting you know dragon gal has done a lot more of the writing in the last four to six months as i've sort of just focused on finishing up my job, Um, she's maybe starting to feel like she wants to back off a little bit, but which I think works well, because as with my free time, after I leave my job, I think I'll have more time to write. And there's a lot I could say about, I think, my experiences with early retirement and more of the um, financial aspects of it, maybe without giving out numbers, but at least like the technical side of it, you know, how I think Mm -hmm. about the modeling, how I think about um, withdrawing money and dealing with all those things that I think there's a lot to keep me engaged with the blog
0: and uh, dragon guy. Actually, I forgot to ask, but, uh, okay. You, you reached your financial independence number. So I guess it's a few hundred thousands of dollars, but how did you accumulate that amount? Actually, how was it only through investing?
2: Yeah, it was mainly through investing. Um, I think in some ways I got lucky. I really started investing in the early two thousands. So, I think in 2002 or two, we got married in 2002 and at that point we were starting to combine our investments and I set up some um, mutual funds and I started dollar cost averaging, basically investing a set amount, the same set amount every month. Mm -hmm. And I kind of set that up and turned it on autopilot and did that for well over a decade. So it took me through the market climb in 2008 through the crash, but then also picked back up again. As the market was rebounding in 2009 and 2010 and onward, I I, recouped, I benefited from all, from the rising market. So um, to me, it was sort of a the ultimate buy and hold. I would buy every month <laughs> yeah. and hold it and not worry about it, partly because as it got bigger, I just didn't know what to do with it. So in, in a weird way, I was just handcuffed. I'm like, well, I'll just keep investing and adding more every month. And at some point, I'll figure it out. But I really do think that because I didn't take any money out in 2008 when the market when we had the great recession, Mm -hmm. um, it got us where we are, um, today. Um, we did get a small inheritance back in 2011 that helped. Um, but even without that, we would have achieved our FI number. I think the other thing we did is we, you know, we bought a house in 2003. We, um, got in, I think at a good, decent interest rate and refinanced it to get a lower. And we were able to pay that off in 2017, so that's really helped a lot because, especially the last few years, our cash flow is so much Yeah, exactly. Mm. Mortgage, but at the end of the day, it was it was investing. It was living below our means. It was it was that con- sort of you know automated investing that really got us where
0: we are. So it's actually it sounds like a simple recipe. <laughs> yes,
2: <laughs> it is. Yeah, I mean, in in reality, had I had I spent more time thinking about it, I could have tweaked it and fine tuned it, and we probably could have done better. But I think the idea of just a lot of people feel handcuffed about investing and the idea of just doing it versus not doing it is what's in some ways more important. Um, putting money in the market on a frequent basis is better off than not putting it on the market because Absolutely. you don't know where to put it or you're worried about the market going down. Um, I don't know what the market's going to do. I mean, heck, you know, we're at an all-time high and I'm still putting money away into the market and just because I don't know what's going to happen and I still have you know, 40, 50 years of living that I have to fund.
0: Yeah. And then, um, so you will get some sort of retirement when you're 65 or 60, uh, if that's the age in the U.S. So you will still get something from the government or from uh, uh, from your employer? or. Uh... Um,
2: I won't have anything from my employer. Um, but yes, definitely there's still Social Security, which um, you can claim between age 62 or 67 right now. The reality is probably in 20 plus years from now it might be a higher age I, actually you can start claiming it up till 70. Um, I'm not factoring that into any of our calculations just because I don't know what it really will be in you know 30 years from now um, whether there'll be enough money to pay people out or not there's there's always stories of oh social security is going to run out of money but so to me that's more of an upside but there should be something but basically, our plan is to live off of the dividends from our accounts and mm-hmm. sort of the capital gains in our accounts. Um, and, we, you know, for the first few years, we have put a lot of money into cash. So if the market does have its recession and downturn, we won't have to sell anything and we can weather that. But, um, you know, we don't have any real estate or a big side hustle that we're expecting to make a lot of money on. So really, we're, we're playing to live off our investments.
0: Yeah. Okay with regards to uh social security i might get something i don't know in europe it's similar situations i think i, I don't factor it in in my uh in my calculations neither i mean i do as if I, as if it would be zero <laughs>
1: Okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean then it's
0: conservative but then at least uh, there's no surprise and no uh yes yeah. yes exactly Okay, well, guys, that was uh, that was an uh, excellent. I think that uh, it really brought a lot of information to people wanting to reach fire and concrete advice. I really, really enjoyed your story. Uh, and before, thank so thank you for sharing. And and before we we uh, head off, I, I have a little uh, a little quick fire quiz for you guys. <laughs>
2: okay. Which,
0: so I have uh, three questions. Okay. So. Uh, My first question is, what is your best investment so far?
1: So my best investment so far has been uh, in my mental health. I think um, that is so important. You know, there was time when I was in therapy, um, but um, I'm not now, but I still feel like it's so important for me to just have self-acceptance, self-awareness, self-regard. I think it helps um, with my self-confidence and just, and the way I do that now is through my journaling and even writing on the blog, just being able to, um, express how I'm feeling and work through, um, my difficulties.
0: Mm-hmm. And you dragon guy.
2: I think for me, my best investment, um, was what I alluded to earlier was just the idea of the way I invested in dollar cost average and sort of the the buy and hold strategy that I set back in 2002 or 2003 and just let it run. I don't specifically remember where I put all that money. I put it into a bunch of different mutual funds, but the idea that I just was saving money every month consistently for 12 to 15 years or whatever it was, that was my best investment, that I just did that and let it go. Um, As I said, I could have picked something better and made more, but the fact that I picked something, you know, really just it, it, without doing that we wouldn't be where we are today. Mm -hmm. And so to me, the best investment was just having the, the, um, the mindset to put money away every month into the market, whether it was a good month or a bad month in the market and let it go and just let it, let it, let it ride. And, you know, let time, you know, win out and, you know, they say, you know, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world and you know, having invested for all those years is really the best thing I did for us.
0: And so second question, what is your favorite book or book you can recommend to anyone? It does not need to be financial. So just uh, what would, which book would you recommend to anybody?
1: So a book I read this year that I really enjoyed was, um, maybe you should talk to someone by Lori Gottlieb. And this is actually about mental health. Um, so she is a psych, psych- co-therapist. And um, she talks about, you know, how we can think about mental health and our life patterns. Um, She does it through the lens of telling stories of um, her patients. And also when she was a patient herself going through um, therapy.
0: Okay.
2: So, I mean, this is actually this was actually a tricky, quite tricky question here, because I'm, you know, I'm more of a, I would say, leisure reader than like a, a thought provoking reader. So mm-hmm. um, I've realized recently that I've enjoyed books that sort of about events in my life that have happened in life, you know, uh, nonfiction books. Um, so one of the books I read, it was actually. Um, I would say it's not the easiest story to talk about it. The book was called Flight 232. It was about um, the, uh, the crash of an airplane back in 1989 in the U.S., and it kind of resonated with me only because I was a kid when that happened, and I remember that incident happening and seeing it on TV. I was 12 years old at the time, and it was a miracle event where everyone should have died, but I would say most people on the plane lived through the heroics of the captain, and so it was a book about the whole story of that incident, and it really just— it brought back memories in a way of because I, when I was a kid, I remember watching that on TV and seeing it happen. And now I was reading about it, you know, 30 mm-hmm. years later. And um, it just made me realize that, you know, how how many fascinating stories there could be, even in, you know, moments of sadness and, and fear and all that, that, um, you know, can really come out, come out of, a, of a situation.
0: Okay. And uh, so the book is Flight 282 uh
2: 232
0: two. Oh, so, like 232 two. <laughs> two, two. no worries
2: okay
0: yeah yeah then the last question you get handed over 10 million dollars so what do you do with that money <laughs>
1: <laughs> Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> um so we talked about that and we actually believe we would give a, a a large portion to to charity and nonprofits um probably greater than what do you think 50% to- yeah
2: i would say we would definitely donate a lot of it um there's some There are some um, charities and um, causes that we're involved with here locally. And I think, you know, we would we would contribute to that. Um, The reality is, you know, we have all the money we need, so we don't need it for our journey. I mean, sure, it could, you know, give us that extra cushion. But um, Mm -hmm. the reality is, I think we would we would put it to good use and um, donate it to appropriate places.
0: Okay, very good now. And then, uh, yeah, I think that that was it. So, where can the um, the listeners uh, find you?
2: Sure. So we blog at um, thedragonsonfire dot com, and we also are on Twitter at at dragon Guy and gal.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll link it all up in the in the show notes anyway. So thank you once again uh, for uh, sharing your story with us. It was very interesting.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you, Johnny. Johnny.
0: Thank you. And uh, yeah, speak to you soon, guys.
1: Okay. Great. Thank you.
0: This episode was a delight to record, and I hope you enjoyed it as well and that you learned something from it. Oh, and by the way, at the time of releasing this podcast, Dragon Guy should be retired. So join me in sending him a tweet at Dragon Guy and Gal to congratulate him on his retirement. And now let's move on to the takeaways of this episode. So, the first thing that uh, caught my attention is that although they were doing things right with their money, saving, investing, not spending more than what they earn. They didn't have a specific goal with their money or a specific amount that they wanted to have saved up. So the lesson here is have a goal, have a money goal. The second one is to track your expenses and to cut costs on the things that do not bring value to you. And it does not mean that you need to um, deprive yourself too much. I mean, in the case of the Dragons, we heard that they cut, for example, the cable television, that they cut some gym memberships, but... In the end, they still do what they like to do. They've been more creative with their spending and they are more diligent, for example, when planning trips. And this calculation will help you define your financial independence number, which is 25 times your yearly expenses or 300 times your monthly expenses. And here I also liked Dragon Guy's approach being more conservative. He takes into account inflation, some unexpected expenses, so maybe you should bump that number of 25 years to, I don't know, 28, 30 something more, just to make sure you you have enough. And the next point is something pretty common among the members of the FIRE community, is that FIRE is a way to escape the so-called rat race, and it provides you with the flexibility to travel and work on your own terms. If you are financially independent, you will have less pressure to try to impress the people above you in order to climb up the corporate ladder. This could also mean less stress, more flexibility, or in general, simply more freedom in your work. And last but not least, one key factor that helped them to accumulate so much wealth over the years is that they dollar cost averaged their contributions to the stock markets. That means that they invested a certain amount every month, regardless of the market fluctuations, and as you can see, it turned out to be a great and simple strategy, even taking into consideration the crash of 2008.